I'm Jenny Rerick. I'm Jay Weedle. And you're listening to the Fit to Speak podcast. A show dedicated to giving coaches and trainers practical tips on how to communicate what they know in a way other people understand. Hi there. Welcome to the Fit to Speak podcast. My name is Jenny Rerick. I'm glad you're here. It's been a while since I've recorded one of these. Today's a special episode. I asked my network to ask questions about anything related to public speaking or presenting. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the answers to those questions. I picked out six questions we're going to answer. To kick things off, I'm going to quickly review for you what those questions are. In the event you don't want to listen to this entire episode, you might want to skip ahead to a specific answer to a question. So I'll read those six questions in the order I'll be answering them today, and then we'll get right into answering each of them. Question number one, are handouts helpful in a digital age? Question number two, does it really just take time and reps, or is there a fast track to improving your abilities, meaning your speaking or presentation abilities? Question three, for movement professionals, what are some tips on effectively building demonstrations or practicals into your presentations? Question four, how do you get over feeling weird when using a mic? Question five, should you start with a joke or a fun fact in order to warm up your audience? And the final question, number six, how can you overcome the feeling of being judged while you're speaking? These are some great questions. Let's get into it. Question number one, are handouts helpful in a digital age? Handouts are physical papers. We give our audience, whether before, during, or after our presentations, as a way to support our presentations. There are typically two versions. The first is those of us that print out actual copies of our presentation slides, the same presentation slides we're going to have up on the screen walking our audience through. The second type of handout is not your slides. It's a handout you create, a custom handout that is supplementary to the content on your slides. Typically, those are designed to help support note-taking during your presentation or I've seen presenters create them where they're set up to support retention, audience retention of your material after your presentation. I am almost always against handing out a copy of your presentation slides as printouts, especially before you present. If you give people copies of your presentation slides before you present and they have access to them while you're presenting, people will tend to engage more with those printouts than they will with you as a presenter. A lot of people will skip ahead to see where you're going, or if you're dragging on, they'll skip ahead to see how much longer you're going to be speaking when you'll be done. The moment they do that, they check out from listening to you and they miss what you're saying. They're no longer engaged. That defeats the entire purpose of you being up there in front of them. If you must hand out printouts of your presentation slides, because sometimes the speaking event we're at requires it, I would do everything in your power to get the slides to your audience members after you're done presenting. Otherwise, if you have that second type of material where you can create some type of supplementary handout to support the content from your presentation, 
That's what I would encourage you to do. I think they're much more valuable and, re and relevant, realistic. And how you would do that is you would create, this is my suggestion, create a one-page supplementary handout that you give your audience either before or after your presentation. On that handout, you can put a high-level overview of your main takeaways, or you can give them more prescriptive guidance on how they can take the information they learned in your presentation and apply it once they leave. So it goes back to that retention piece of I'm going to give them this one sheet piece of paper. And the goal of this paper is to help them retain the information they got here today or help them understand how they can apply what they learned in their day-to-day -day life or their work. I'm a fan of printed supplementary handouts because it gives people something tangible to leave with, which makes it feel like you put more thought and more effort into their experience. Now, we're not in an age where we tend to print many things. So I can understand if you don't want to print something for everyone in your audience, although I do think there's value in having a printed piece. Whether or not you give out a printed piece of paper or multiple pieces of paper, I would also always have a digital copy of it that you either provide a link or you can put a QR code on one of your presentation slides. So they also have access to a digital version. Question number two, does it really take time and reps or is there a fast track to improving your speaking or presentation abilities? The direct answer is yes, it really takes time and reps, but the caveat is that those time and reps must be approached with purpose and then used as a reflection tool once that experience is done. The mistake most people make is assuming that they'll just naturally get better and more comfortable with speaking and presenting as they progress through their careers. It's true that as you go through your career, you'll probably get access to more reps of speaking and presenting, but whether those reps lead to improvement is ultimately determined by the intention with which you approach them. If each time you have the opportunity to speak or present, you aren't going in with a short list of specific things you want to execute on to improve your outcome, then you're getting up there to speak or present and you're just reinforcing the speaking habits you've already mastered. The same ones you've identified as not creating the type of success you'd like to have when you speak and present. This is why I encourage everyone to take a speaking or presentation skills training or work with a coach like me as early in your career as possible because when you take a training or you work with a coach, it gives you the information you need to create a list of the specific things you can work on that will have the greatest impact. And now every time you get a an opportunity to get a rep, you're asked to speak, you present at a staff meeting, whatever it might be, you can look at that list and go into that speaking rep with intention and then leave it at being able to ask yourself, did I actually apply this? And then did I get better?
Question number three, for movement professionals, what are some tips on effectively building in demonstrations and practicals into your presentations? When people in fitness, sports, or health present, they're often talking about things related to the body, which lends itself perfectly to giving a demonstration or creating some type of hands-on learning experience. A few things I'd recommend you keep in mind if this is you. First, introduce and describe what you're going to do before you do it and tell your audience exactly what you want them to pay attention to when you do it. Think about it like giving them a trailer before they see the full movie. That trailer will act as a primer so they know what to expect and what to watch and listen for when you go forward with that demonstration or practical. Second, Make sure they can see what you're doing. Not all spaces are set up in a way that allows everyone in your audience to see you when you get down on the floor to demonstrate a movement. So that means you have to make some adjustments before you do it. I might say to my audience, I'm going to get down on the ground to demonstrate this movement for you. If you're in the middle or the back of the room, Feel free to quickly stand up and come forward toward the front so that you can see me when I do this. Now, this might not always be feasible with the size of the group, but I'd also expect if you're presenting to a very large audience, they'll have some type of camera on you that's projected on a screen, hopefully. The third thing to keep in mind is be mindful that your voice is going to change when you're physically moving. You might not you might now be short on breath because you're moving around. You might be talking while you're looking physically looking away from your audience. Whatever it is, it's your responsibility to adjust your vocal delivery to ensure your volume is projected and your words are clear. That might mean slowing down your speaking cadence. It might mean repeating your important cues or notes a couple of times to ensure everyone got it. And the fourth thing to keep in mind, the final one, once you're done with your demonstration, pull it all together by once again describing what you just did and reminding your audience of what you wanted them to notice and why it's important for them to know. Question number four, how do you get over feeling weird on a mic? My first thought is it's unlikely you'll ever get over it because you won't have enough exposure to really get comfortable with it in the first place. Unless you're in some type of professional role that requires you to use a mic frequently, which maybe this person who asked this question is. So under the assumption that you don't and won't use a mic all that often, the question here is not, how do I get over feeling weird when using a mic, but instead, how do I use a mic effectively? That's the question we're going to answer. A few sim simple things to keep in mind. First, have an audio or tech person adjust your mic to work for the room while you're speaking at your normal volume. You could say to this person, could you please help adjust the mic's volume so it's projected throughout the room without me having to raise my voice. This is standard. You probably won't have to actually ask that, but when you use a mic, the whole point is to be able to speak at your normal volume in your normal tone. 
and the mic do the work for you. If it's a handheld mic, you need to keep your mouth on the mic as you speak. If you turn your head away from the mic while you're speaking and you don't bring it with you, the mic isn't going to pick up on your voice. Most often though, we don't use handheld mics or if we do, it's a very short delivery. So if you're using a handheld mic, keep it in front of your mouth. The third point, don't yell or project too much. This builds on my first point. When you use a mic, the whole point is that it allows you to not have to yell in order for your larger audience to hear you. You need to trust your mic and speak at your natural enthusiastic volume. The fourth and final point, if the room and your audience is small enough, decline using a mic. I've seen speakers use a mic in more intimate spaces with audiences of 30 people or less, and it comes across as overkill. There's a sweet spot for each of us, but if you're standing up there and you think you can project your voice without yelling, I would tell you to ditch the mic. Question five, should you start with a joke or a fun fact to warm up your audience? My direct answer is no. Audiences usually don't need to be warmed up as uh, they're often there because they've chosen to be there. They're sitting in the room choosing to listen to you. There's a lot of blanket advice about how to give a great speech or a presentation. And although the intention behind a lot of this advice is good and some of it is helpful, I think this one really misses the mark. Now, if you're a naturally funny person or you have a fun fact to open your presentation that's relevant, highly relevant to your topic or the conclusion you'll make in your talk or presentation, go for it. But jokes often fall flat because your audience doesn't usually know you personally, so they aren't confident in your baseline personality enough to know whether or not that joke was serious or if it was actually a joke. My thought here is why risk it? I wouldn't advise you to tell a joke or scrounge around for a fun fact just for the sake of checking this box because some presentation book told you to do it. Instead, get up there confidently and provide value as soon as possible. The final question, how can you overcome the feeling of being judged while speaking? The big point here is that you are being judged but you are being judged anytime you communicate with people. The only difference with speaking and presenting is that you're not used to being judged by 30 plus people all at once. Here are a few thoughts that came to mind for me. Remember when you're speaking to groups of people, even though there are many people in front of you, each of them is experiencing you at an individual level. So instead of looking at this group of people in front of you as one big unit, one big group of 30 sets of eyes looking at you, instead look at it as a group of individuals. We engage with individual people all day long. We are great at it. When you stand up in front of a group of, a pe of people, they're all individuals. You already know how to do that. Don't group them together as a group because then it feels foreign and you begin to lose confidence in your ability to speak to people, which you do every day. The second thought that came to mind is, if you feel nervous or you're conscious of how you're being judged by people, 
This tells me that you have a self-focused mindset and all the training and coaching I do focuses on how do you get yourself out of that mindset and into the mindset of serving the people in front of you, shifting from a self-focused to others-focused. Two suggestions I have on how to do this. First, when you get up to speak, don't identify as a speaker or a performer. Instead, remind yourself that you're up there as a teacher, you're up there as an educator, a coach, or just simply a helper. These identities, teacher, educator, coach, helper, help you get out of your head and into a service mindset. If you are giving a talk or a presentation, it's because people have identified you have information or experience to share that's going to help them achieve something they want to achieve in some way. So you are in fact up there as a teacher, an educator, a coach, or a helper. Take on that that mindset. You are not up there as a performer or a speaker. The second suggestion I have on how to do this is go in knowing what type of experience you want to create for the audience in front of you. Seth Godin, who is a best-selling author, he's in the marketing space, but he's just generally one of those business gurus. He wrote a blog post once about a concept that he called the lifeguard hack. And he said, if you were a lifeguard and you're in your tower, you notice somebody is out in the water drowning, you are not going to question your abilities or the environment of that scenario, you are simply going to run down that tower, jump into the water and do everything in your power to save that person because you've identified with the title of a lifeguard. Lifeguards save people regardless of the circumstances. I really like this concept because you can apply it to speaking and presenting. If you go into a talk or a presentation and you identify as a person who creates great experiences for their audiences when you speak or present, that will empower you to take on the behaviors of somebody who really does that. It gets you outside of yourself and prioritizes thinking about the people in front of you. My final thought, how you show up is going to determine how your audience receives you. If you're up in front, you're moving all around, you're pacing around, looking at the floor, speaking a mile a minute, using lots of filler words, that will have you come across as being nervous or unprepared or uncomfortable. And because you are uncomfortable, it makes your audience uncomfortable. So if you're feeling like your audience is judging you, they probably are. But I then challenge you to ask yourself, in this moment, am I more focused on me or am I focused on creating a great experience for the people in front of me? That was six questions. I do have a bonus question that came through as I'm recording right now. So we're going to go for it. Then we'll wrap up. The question is, Talk or the prompt, I should say, talk to us about not being afraid of pauses in conversations. Something I talk a lot about that I feel is low hanging fruit, 
for everybody and nearly everybody I work with could benefit from doing this is pausing more throughout your speaking. The majority of us speak too quickly. When I say too quickly, I don't necessarily mean our words come out too fast. I mean, we share too much information in one bout. We don't find opportunities to break up our individual thoughts or points that would provide space for our listeners to really connect with and digest each of those thoughts or points. Now, many of us are afraid to pause when we speak for many reasons, mostly because we think if we pause, somebody's going to jump in and interrupt us. If we pause, people will think we are unprepared. If we pause, it just generally feels so awkward. And if I feel awkward, my listeners must feel awkward. All of these I've experienced myself, I get it. The thing is, is those, let's call them reasons or excuses, if you will, those are all focused on our experience as a speaker. I might be judged as being unprepared. Pausing makes me uncomfortable. And again, going back to my whole philosophy of speaking and presenting and how to do it well, we need to get outside of ourselves and think about how is the way I am speaking or I'm presenting impacting the experience my audience or my listeners are having. If I do not pause, I am overwhelming the people I am speaking to with information. People do not process what we say in real time. They wait until we get to the end of a thought or a point, and then they have all the information they need to think about it holistically. That is the moment when we need to give them a brief pause and break from speaking so that they can connect with and digest what we've just told them. I've been doing this the entire time I've been speaking to you on this podcast. You are not in front of me. I'm recording this on my own in front of my laptop, but I am building in deliberate stopping points with a pause because I want you to sense the structure of my message to know when I'm done with one thought and then I'm going to begin another thought. Even though these pauses are awkward for me and a lot of people edit them out of recorded content, I do not because they're important for you in order to be able to connect with me and my message. And I also want to show you and set an example that it doesn't sound awkward. I don't sound unprepared. You can do this too. You're no different than I am. So if you feel afraid of pausing while you're speaking, I get it. I used to feel afraid as well. Instead of focusing on the fear, focus on the benefits your listeners or your audience will experience if you give them more opportunities or more space to let what you've just said sink in. Because if you're saying it, it's important. Don't overwhelm them or override an important point you just made by saying something new. That's what I've got for you. This was a lot of fun. I think it's super helpful to hear questions from you all about what goes through your head, what your experience is related to public speaking and presenting. If you have more questions, please send them over. My contact information is on the website, which is all listed in the show notes. 
Thanks for listening. Chat soon. Thanks for listening to the show. As this is a podcast about communication, we value and welcome your input, any feedback you have, and questions about how we could make the show even better for you. We'd love it if you click the link in the show notes to do so.